morning, everybody. The reading this morning is from 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our lives. Good morning, everyone. Uh, it's great to be here to share God's word this morning. Uh, can I say thank you to those uh, that have been involved in the early part of this service. Thanks also to Paolo for coming and sorting out the technology side here in the church this morning. Uh, this isn't first for me, and it seems strange to be preaching to an empty church, but I know God will bless you where you are in your homes. We're continuing this morning in our series, Forward in Your Faith. And this week we come to the subject of confession. You've probably all heard the expression, confession is good for the soul. And whilst that's a principle that applies to a number of Bible verses, uh, the actual saying is an old Scottish proverb, open confession is good for the soul. Although no one really seems to know its exact origin. But when we come to the word confession in the Bible, there are two uses of that word. Firstly, a confession of faith. I confess that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Saviour. And secondly, a confession of sins. I confess the sins I've committed and seek forgiveness. And in this chapter, we get both of these types of expression. In Romans 10, verse 9, Paul says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And John starts this chapter with his words of testimony. His being with Jesus during his earthly ministry and very close to him. He'd been almost in that inner circle, perhaps, of the disciples. He had seen the miracles Jesus had performed. He'd heard the parables he'd preached. 
And I'm sure there were many other instances over and above what we have recorded in the scriptures. But in addition, he'd had those private times when it was just Jesus and the disciples. And I'm sure he'd learned a lot in that time. John, in verse 1, describes using his senses how he has heard, seen, and even touched Jesus. How nice it was before all the social distancing and we could touch one another. But in those days they could. Perhaps he could also have gone on and talked, as Paul did, about the fragrance of Jesus. Where Jesus went, there, there was a fragrance that seemed to pervade the area he was in. Or like the psalmist, he tasted and seen that the Lord was good, which of course we were remembering last Sunday in the message uh, that Beth brought to us. And you know, this was the story of John's life as to how he came from being a rough fisherman. You know, James and John were described as sons of thunder. I wonder what image that conjures in your mind. Two very rough diamonds, I would guess. And yet, he'd come into a living relationship, a changed life with the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's writing to encourage others to come into that same relationship by trusting the Lord. I wonder what your story is this morning. Do you have a story of how Jesus has changed your life and given you real purpose? And if you have a story, how up to date is that story? You know, I've heard many testimonies of people telling of the great things God did in their life in many years gone by. But it almost seems from what they say that nothing has happened very recently. Perhaps you need to clearly think what God has been doing in your life recently. What's he even been teaching you during the lockdown? You know, there have been many articles written, what is God saying to his church during the lockdown? And I guess, you know, you have to take the opinions as to what people say, and perhaps in time that will work out what the accuracy was. But what's God been doing in your life during the lockdown when you've had time? Time to do all those jobs that you never thought you'd get round to. Time to be quiet. Time to think. Time to think of God. What's he been doing? Perhaps some of you watching this morning, don't really have a story at all. If so, I urge you, as we go through the rest of this message, to think on the gospel message that God loved you so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, to die for your sins. And you see what John regards as so important is the joyful relationship that he has come into. A relationship which he ter terms fellowship. Fellowship with the Father 
and his son. Last year, a number of us who preach had a meeting and we were considering how we presented our messages, bearing in mind those who didn't have the church background that most of us had. And we thought of the words we used that might mean a lot to us, but others might not understand. And I guess that word fellowship very much comes into that category. Although I know if you're into the Lord of the Rings film series, one of those was entitled The Fellowship of the Ring. Not that I've seen it, I'm not really into films, I'm afraid. But what does it mean from our perspective? If you look up the word in a dictionary, it'll say something like the companionship of people with a common interest. But the word originally used here in the Greek is the Greek word koinonia, which whilst it doesn't exactly translate into English, does imply something rather deeper. Yes, as we come to worship, we have a common interest, but it is something that we actively participate in and even contribute to. It's not a passive thing. We don't just sit there and receive. It's something we need to be involved in. And if we're not, we'll never get that blessing from God. You know, in my garden at home, we get a lot of birds that come and rest and eat and splash about in the bird bath. And of course, over the last few months, there have been quite a few baby birds. You know, if you look at the baby birds, it seems that they assume that every other bird exists to feed them. Are we like that? Do we think we're just to be fed? Or do we need to contribute? Those birds have to learn very quickly to fend for themselves. Are we making our part in serving the Lord? You see, when John talks about fellowship, it isn't just with the people that we're involved in who are like-minded, but it is even with the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ. And that's what gives John great joy. That's what gives him his greatest joy. And he wants others to share in that joy. I'm not going to talk too much about the joy this morning because a couple of months' time, the last message in this series, I'm talking about celebration. And I'm sure we'll pick up on that theme there. But that is precious to John. It's so precious that he spends the rest of this chapter talking about things that might interrupt this fellowship with the Father and with his Son. In these verses, he contrasts darkness and light. The darkness that is sin and the light that comes when we confess our sins and know forgiveness. We're so often tempted to judge sin in our lives by what we regard as bigger sins, murder, theft, etc. Or we're tempted to judge ourselves in comparison 
to other people. I might not be perfect, but, but look at him, I'm nothing like that. Perhaps you judge people by other people that go to church. As if a qualification of going to church is you've got to be good enough, as some people think. It's not true at all. Those of us that come to worship God realise we're not good enough and we need his help. In Romans 3, verse 23, Paul says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. No exceptions. You know, if that was the end of the story, of course, we would be without hope. But he goes on in verse 24 to say, And are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. John says in verse 8, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. You know, we don't deceive others, we deceive ourselves if we claim to be without sin. Verse 10 goes even further in saying, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him, that is God, out to be a liar. And his word has no place in our lives. The standard which we need to judge our lives by is not that of other people, even though we can learn uh, from each other but we need to judge ourselves by God's standards. We need to set as our example and our aim the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember hearing someone some years back give an illustration uh, involved uh, looking at an archery target. And he said, imagine what you're aiming for here. Jesus is the centre, the bullseye of that target. If you take a great Christian, say the Apostle Paul, perhaps one of the greatest Christians ever lived, he shot his arrow and aimed for Jesus, but that fell short. You know, if we aim for Jesus, we too will fall short. If we only aim for where Paul got to, we're going to fall even shorter. We need to be honest in our aim. John 4, verse 24, one of our verses of the year says, God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. There needs to be truth in our lives to where we stand. And so we need to come and confess our sins and seek his forgiveness. We need to do that first of all so that we can come into the faith but we need to maintain that as we go on in our Christian life. You know, we can at least take comfort in the fact that God, we have a God who knows all about us. If you don't believe that, then read Psalm 139. God knew us before we were formed. He knows when we stand, when we sit. He knows everything we do. And we can come to that God with our confessions. You know, sometimes we have to listen to people who make shocking confessions. 
They'd done things we could never have imagined. And perhaps it shocks and hurts us right to the core. We don't have that with God. God already knows all the things we've done. He is a loving Father who just wants us to ask him to, for forgiveness. And he will lovingly forgive. We also have one who understands our position. In Hebrews 4 verses 15 and 16, the writer speaking about Jesus says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. How many times have, has it said that we're in uncharted territory? The world is a strange place at the present time. We've never seen anything like it with this pandemic. And indeed, we haven't in this country for a hundred years. And yet God knows. God understands. Jesus walked this earth. He knew what it was to be tempted. He knew what it was to be hungry and thirsty. He knew what it was to be tired. He knew what it was to have people regularly coming up and disputing with him. He's the one we can approach with confidence. And perhaps the most important verse of this passage, 1 John 1, that we heard read, is this ninth verse where John tells us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. What a God that is. What a God he is who will forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. For Christians, of course, the importance of seeking forgiveness for any sin in our lives is vital in our relationship with the Lord. It's vital to remain, to, to keep that uh, fellowship relationship with the Father and the Son. It's the only way that we will be able to serve the Lord as he desires. We can pray and ask the Lord to forgive us. You know, there may even be times when we need to Seek help from someone else to help us, to pray with us. James, in his epistle, does say, confess your sins one to the other. The writer of the book, Richard Foster, his book, Celebration of Discipline, on which this sermon series has loosely been based, tells of a time in his life where, despite the fact he was a great preacher and teacher, he felt that there was something that was not getting him right with God. There was some obstacle that just wasn't taking him to the next stage. 
And so he went to a friend and they prayed and God forgave him. And, you know, such was that step as he went out and pre- uh, to meet a friend, that friend himself sought forgiveness for something going on in his life. Do we want to go forward in our faith this morning? If we do, then we need to make sure that we regularly seek forgiveness for our sins so that God can take us forward. Someone once said that in our dealings, keep a short account with God. Don't let all these things build up until a big climax when you need to come and confess these shortcomings. Keep your account short, maybe daily, maybe hourly, that you're right with God. But you see, maybe some of you watching this morning have never come to the point of confessing any sin, of asking God for forgiveness and peace. Perhaps some of you are watching this stream service this morning who would normally step into a church building. Can I ask you this morning, whatever your reasons are, and whatever your reasons are, you are very welcome this morning. We're glad you've joined us. But whatever your reasons are, can I ask you to think about the God who loves you so much that he sent his only son the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for your sins so that you might no longer live in the darkness of sin but come into his light, his forgiveness and his fellowship. If you're in that position this morning and want someone to help you and and pray with you, then... Uh, In the captions that come up at the end of this service, there will be numbers. You can phone, you can text, you can email. And there will be those that will be happy to help you there. But I want to conclude with this verse 9 again. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's what God wants to do for you this morning. Whether you need to come for a first time or whether you just need to get your life right so that you can go on in faith to the next step. I pray this morning that God will help you to do that. Let's just pray as we come to the end of this message. Father, thank you that you love us so much. Thank you you loved us enough to send your only son, Jesus Christ, down to this earth to die on the cross for our sins. And Lord, wherever we stand this morning, whether we need to come and put our trust in you for the first time, or whether we are going on and seeking where you're guiding us for the future, Lord, I just pray that you will point out to us the sin in our hearts, and you'll bring us to a point of confessing that, And trusting you, trusting you to lead us forward and to deliver us from the old life. Bless us, Lord. Draw us close to you and help us, we pray. For Jesus' sake we ask. Amen. God bless you all.